All right. Let us start by remembering the words of Psalm 118, 22 to 24. The same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. On this day the Lord has acted, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And what a great day to rejoice in. The day that on the church's calendar is set aside to celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Uh, so I'm going to talk to you, so not surprisingly, about the Spirit of God, about the day of Pentecost. And uh, for lack of a better sermon title, I came up with By My Spirit. I prayed uh, the call it, the prayer for the week a few minutes ago, that the Lord would shed abroad this gift, the gift being the Holy Spirit, shed abroad this gift throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that it may reach to the ends of the earth. And that is our prayer today, uh, that by the preaching of the gospel, salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. In his sermon on the day of Pentecost that Brian read from Acts chapter 2, Peter ended up his sermon by saying, It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm sure at that point in time, Peter had no idea. Uh, because of the point in history that he was speaking from, if we could have asked him and clarified what he meant, he would have probably meant, for every Jew who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Um, but we find out after he's had a vision, he ends up in a Gentile's house, which was illegal according to the law, that, uh, praise be to God, that by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, uh, salvation has come to all people regardless of ethnic beginning of, of religion of uh, race or sex or any other criteria if you if you were born and live and breathe on this earth you bear the image of God and you have salvation provided for all who call upon the name of the Lord so I kind of reworded that prayer uh, since shed abroad is not typically in our vocabulary it's not something that we say I think I'll go shed abroad uh, my lawn this morning or whatever <laughs> no it's uh, <clears throat> I think it would more likely be prayed like this continue to generously pour out the Holy Spirit throughout the world by the preaching of the gospel that your salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> as, Christ was, as Christ ascended up into heaven after his resurrection, it says in the first chapter of Acts that for 40 days he was with the disciples. Uh, but after 40 days he went out of of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, I believe. And 
as they were talking with him, he angels came down and he ascended up into heaven. But before that happened, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now he'd already taught them, as I've read from the gospel of reading in John, that the, with the helper, the purpose of the helper was to reveal truth. But here he added to that and said, you will also receive power. And so, um, it's interesting because that makes you ask the question, what kind of power? Power to slay the wicked, to conquer kingdoms, power to create empires, or you know what kind of power? Just power to conquer evil. Um, I think as we look at the the story of God, as we look at the overall message of the scriptures we can we can understand that the power he was talking about is as we pray the power to preach the gospel the power to bear witness to uh, the truth and the truth is that God is love that God has forgiven us that God does not that that God is a God of salvation he yearns for all of his children to be restored into right relationship with him and to live forever with him in glory. The uh, prophet Zechariah is the one who said, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Um, so, the Spirit of the Lord is, is here today to guide us into truth. It's here to, to enlighten us. It's here to give us discernment. It's here to convict us when we choose badly. It's here to bring about freedom. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, or there is freedom. And I thank God for freedom, don't you? It's not fun to be, uh, to be bound up. It's not fun to be a slave. Scriptures teach us that we are slaves to the, to the master that we serve. <clears throat> and it's not fun to be a slave to sin, to be a slave to your own appetites, your own desires, uh, and to try to fulfill those through your own power. So there's no doubt as to the purpose of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and that is that the gospel may be preached to the ends of the earth so that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every other gift, and there are other gifts of the Spirit elaborated in other scriptures, is to point to and support this purpose of proclamation of the gospel and the, and the 
extension of the salvation of God. The, the salvation referred to is not a one-time event, although it may include that. But I believe it's to be interpreted in a holistic view of the working out of our salvation that's only completed when we are welcomed into our eternal home with Christ. So we have this word Pentecost. What is Pentecost and was it invented in the New Testament? Well, no. The, the word Pentecost, the word Pente means 50 and it refers to 50 days. And it originated way back in the story of uh, the giving of the law to Moses and the three festivals, the three primary festivals that were described in the law in the book of Exodus and Leviticus so that the children of Abraham, the Jewish people, would not forget so that they would remember that God, that they were slaves in Egypt and that by unreasonable means Moses was not able to convince Pharaoh through logic and reasoning to let his people go, to let God's people go. He tried and he failed, but it was by supernatural power, miraculous things that occurred according to the story in Exodus that, that Pharaoh finally made the choice although he was under quite a bit of coercion to let the people, to let the children of Israel go. So we have this, this celebration called the Festival of Weeks or Festival of Booths uh, that is described in the book of Leviticus and as I did a quick bit of research and study this morning I wanted to know because I had I had heard it implied that, or taught that, that the this feast of Pentecost, this feast of booths and festivals, was a celebration of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. And I thought oh, I've never heard that before. Is that where's that at? So it's amazing what we can do with Google. You can do in 20 minutes what would have taken days in the library to find. <clears throat> but as it turns out, that, that supposition, that concept didn't evolve until some Jewish rabbi in the 1300s. So it sounds like it's plausible and it may be, he may be right, the, the, that school with that count may be correct. <clears throat> but we don't really, I, I, I couldn't find a clear explanation like you know if somebody says why do we celebrate Christmas well we know the exact reason why we celebrate Christmas the birth of Christ the coming of the incarnation of God to be man to be full of God and fully man but from my again from my very hastened and quick research I couldn't come up with a consensus of what the purpose of these three major feasts. They were to celebrate the first harvest and the latter harvest, but they were obviously to help them, the, the, the nation of Israel, the children of 
of Abraham to, to not forget the story of their deliverance, of their salvation, of God supernaturally intervening to bring about their freedom from Pharaoh. So <clears throat> we have this uh, this Jewish holiday, this Jewish festival called Pentecost that happens 50 days after Passover. We know Jesus was crucified on Passover or the day before Passover and that he was resurrected and that he was with the disciples 40 days and then he ascended into heaven. So we can do the math and figure out it was about 10 days from his ascension to this event described in Acts chapter 2 because it says on the day of Pentecost and that's 50 days or 49 days from Passover, 7 weeks. <coughs> so there you go. That's what so what we in the New Testament when we read about this event in Acts we think oh that was the beginning of the day of Pentecost but that was the day the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem to help Christians make a more full uh, transformation in their in their thinking and their worldview. <clears throat> worldview is simply all those things you you have presuppositions about. All this it's your way of interpreting the world around them and your life and your interaction with others. So to help Christians develop or to help new believers develop a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. In the very early days of the church, like within the first third, three or four centuries, uh, there evolved this system of, of acknowledging certain events in the life of Christ yearly, annually, so people wouldn't forget, so they could keep coming back to them. So obviously the incarnation was a big one, the birth of Christ. Obviously the crucifixion was a big one, Easter, the resurrection. And soon after that, um, the day of Pentecost was added. And then Lent, and then the, just Advent, it kept growing. So they developed this tradition of observing these different events in the life of Christ and that was referred to as or the the um, recommended scriptures to be to be read and preached on on certain Sundays was called the lessons or lections and came to be called a lectionary so we have this lectionary that evolved in and was pretty much the same up until uh, the 1500s or at least 1100. 11, well, I'm telling you all this to tell you that in certain lectionaries today, uh, the Old Testament reading is about the Tower of Babel. And you think, why in the world would the uh, would any anybody associate 
the Tower of Babel with Pentecost. Well, it's good reason for that. And Genesis 11 stuck in between the story of Noah. Remember Noah and the ark. Because of the wickedness of man, God sent the flood, but he he didn't want to destroy man from the face of the earth, so he told Noah to build an ark. And Noah and his family, his daughters and their husbands were saved, sons and their wives, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Probably, maybe, well, yeah, the scriptures say the sons and their wives. So we have the, the, the floods over, and the next chapter it talks about the descendants of Noah's sons. We were Japheth. Ham and Shem. Well, it gives us the descendants of Japheth and Ham, and then right in the middle of that genealogy, that's this story stuck in chapter 11 of verses 1 to 9. It says, Now the whole world had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Sounds like a pretty good thing, doesn't it? Well, evidently the Lord didn't think that was a good idea because it says, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the, all the earth and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. And then it jumps right back up with the descendants of Shem. So it's like, what? Like squirrel? You know? <laughs> why, why was this story inserted? Well, we'll have to ask the, the Father or the Holy Spirit of Jesus if, we ever, if it matters at that point in time when there won't be time. So I doubt it. I doubt that ever happens. <clears throat> but if you think about it, you can see the connection between this story when God saw the gifts that mankind has that it has been created in his image and he saw the potential that he had for trying to reach heaven on their own power for trying to make themselves right with God or for trying to uh, fight to fill that God-shaped hole that's inside of them by their own means and he saw the end of that was going to be much uh, worse than 
the problems created by the confusion of languages and the dispersing of people and then the resulting tribal wars and so forth that we see even through today. So <clears throat> obviously understanding this story in chapter 11 of Genesis and how God used language to, to, pour, to pour out his grace upon mankind so that he, he would intervene from them continuing down this path of trying to find God through their own power. And then we have the contrast that are on the day of Pentecost we have the Holy Spirit coming and men speaking different languages. It says that, you know, this, this Jerusalem was filled with people because that's a pilgr pilgrim festival. That's a pilgrim feast where all Jews from all nations would pilgr make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival of booths or Pentecost. So we had all these different, more than normal nationalities in Jerusalem and the, and the uh, the Christians obviously somehow transitioned from the upper room out into the street and people heard them speaking in their own language even though they were all Galileans and they knew something was up. So it's just a uh, another type and a typing shadow. It's another uh, way that God works through the scriptures to reveal the kind of, of of God that he is with grace and love and the, the, the different ways that he moves to bring about his purposes and to bring about salvation even to all those who believe through the end of the earth. The other possible um, association with this being the day of Pentecost and it's if one of the purposes of God having established this festival at the time he did 50 days after Passover was because that was coincided with the giving of the law on Mount Sinai then you have this amazing uh, coincidences between that if we want to call that the first Pentecost, the giving of the law. In Exodus 19, verses 16 to 20, it says, On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain. And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. So we have this incredible description. The mountain shaking, this trumpet 
which wasn't a human trumpet. It was the trumpet of, from the heavens, the angels' trumpets, probably. And it kept getting louder and louder, and there was smoke, and there was lightning, and the people trembled. On the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, in the book of Acts, we have the sound of a rushing wind filled the place. We have cloven tongues of fire that appeared over each of the, of the believers. And then we have them being so transfixed. For some reason, their behavior out on the street, people thought they were drunk with wine. Let that sink in. It was, it was all God's working to emphasize His power and His grace and that He intervenes in our lives in supernatural ways and we can't work our own way through him through our own ration like they tried to at the Tower of Babel. And we can't find ultimate truth through our own mind and intellect. In fact, in fact Jesus said once to some Pharisees in John chapter 5 verses 39 and 40, he said, and the Pharisees were very, I mean, they have a bad route uh, in, as we look backward reading the New Testament. But in, in the day of Christ, the Pharisees, they were gung-ho. They were, they were devoted. They were devout Jews. They studied the scriptures. They studied the Torah. They studied all the laws and did their best to live disciplined lives not well we, only in their hearts do we know why they were doing it but he told this particular set of Pharisees he said you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life now wait a minute is he saying you, there's not eternal life in the scriptures you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life now, this is what, and, it, and, and it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So you see, it's it's not that they, it was wrong to use their reasoning, but it, it was their motivation. They were trying to build their own tower of Babel. They were trying to establish their own righteousness through their own power and their own intellect. But it's not about, it can't be done simply by reason. It can't be done simply by intellect. It's about faith. It's about, it's about experiencing. I'm not saying you're, you have to hear Russian mighty wind. I'm not saying you have to see cloven tongues or you even have to speak in tongues. But I'm saying that there's a work of the Spirit that is beyond reason. That when it happens, you know, 
you know that you have encountered a person a being that you can't touch you can't see but you know it's real and you know it's love and you know it's grace So that's what the day of Pentecost was about, in my humble opinion. I want to end with the, the word that Paul spoke to Timothy at the beginning of Timothy 1. He said, the goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Eugene Peterson, he, he interprets that verse this way in the message. The whole point of what we're urging is simply love. Love uncontaminated by self-interest and counterfeit faith. A life open to God. Let us seek to live our lives open to God. Amen. Well, let's stand together and... Uh, Proclaim our common faith by the Nicene Creed, which I don't think is in that 